You can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing cinema and related media. And for this Valentine's Day special episode, uh, we're really pleased to be joined by one of our regular guests, uh, Clive Ashenden. So welcome, Clive. Thank you. Uh, Really happy to be on here talking romantic movies. Indeed. (laughs) Love stories and romantic films. Who who knew, you know, that the guys that normally discuss horror movies and sci-fi and really guy genre stuff are going to get together and uh, and talk romance? Who would have thought, hey? Well, you never know. With our podcasts, you know, Alien, Star Wars, Star Trek is sure to rear their ugly heads. Indeed, indeed. Not a podcast goes by where at least one of those franchises are not mentioned. And you've already given it honourable mention. So, well, well done, Simon. <laughs> and if you are playing the, uh, the, the movie heaven, movie hell drinking game, you, you should have taken three sips already. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, that, that's, that's what some people might be doing on Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, you could, you could make the argument that Alien is, is really... A love story, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that that's that's a really good lead-in because one of the things I was going to start by asking on this is, what is it that actually defines and makes a romantic tale or a love story? Because I don't know about you guys, but you know, I think of it almost like, um, and, and hear me out here, but almost like horror in so much <laughs> as as a genre. It is very much a sort of, um, you know, cross or mixed genre. Um, you know, you've got straight drama, um, you know, love stories, something like The Notebook or whatever. And then you've got, you know, your sort of Richard Curtis type romantic comedies. You know, Love Actually is a really good one. And, you know, you know I'm sure with our picks, we're going to talk about how some of them cross other genres. Mm. And... I think it's also interesting, even when you look at the semiotics of it all, um, the color red, you know, means different things. It's, it sort of le- means, you know, love and passion, but it also is associated with sort of danger and horror as well, which, which I think says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Simon, as, as your film title, Blood and Roses, you know, both red. Um, yeah. 
so you know it is it is one of those ones that's sometimes hard to define as a genre did did you agree with that or am i talking utter nonsense no i'd agree uh when when we sort of came up with the idea of doing this uh thinking about what my favorite uh you know romantic film was it was really hard to sort of pick a pure romance one because you know you think of like it's like well romancing the stone that's that's a great romantic one but that's also an action adventure that just happens to have romance in it and and romance is used as a a a story plot point in in a lot of films you know a lot of the time like in action films the the guy's gonna get the girl sometimes it's um the whole story you know kicks off because the guy is trying to get the girl i mean i think of a film like uh streets of fire where you know this uh ex-army guy comes into town after his ex-girlfriend's been kidnapped and he gets paid to try and rescue her you know and there's this you know romance between the two of them this kind of you know thing that was never fully uh you know realized or completed or you know was left up in the air so you you, you, it's it's still a romantic film but it's mostly an action adventure film you know it's about rescuing the princess from the tower yeah well i mean also i think it's especially in the times we live in now you know you you say about a guy getting a girl i mean you know it's not necessarily gender specific either anymore um (laughs) You know, I say this because, uh, as you know, I'm sort of going through the whole BAFTA voting at the moment because we're just days away from BAFTA um, awards. And a big film this year is uh, uh, an independent film called God's Own Country, which, um, you know, some some sort of joke is is sort of broke back mountain in 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 the Yorkshire Dells or whatever. Yes. <laughs> but um, but but but, you know, you know, uh, that's that's obviously a, a, a same sex relationship in there, but it's it's never made a thing. And I think that's one of the good things about that film is there's no controversy within the story um, about the fact that it's that it's a same sex thing it is the fact that it is um, just a love story, you know, and um, that that's the thing. It, this 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 whole genre now has become sort of so broad that, uh, that that it is really hard to define, you know, like, you know, you were exactly right when you said, you know, the old school way of defining that would be, you know, boy meets girl, you know, boy loses girl, you know, that that whole thing. But mm. now it's not even gender specific anymore. <laughs> well, um, yeah, if it comes to like a, a, a love story, a film that's just it's just about romance and love, then that seems to be the formula It is about them you know getting together and then something comes along to sort of tear them apart and at the end you for it to work properly you're supposed to be in tears uh you know you think of like titanic which again is a great film yes it's a great (laughs) film and it's also uh it's a disaster film yes because it's about the sinking of titanic but it resolves around this romance between you know the rose and jack and rose jack and yes. rose thank you and Absolutely. you know she's upper class he's lower class 
you know and it, it sort of fits in with the whole sort of love story where they meet they get together there's forces trying to tear them apart but they you know they stay together but f- finally they are separated you know spoiler jack drowns there was enough room on that bloody oh i thought you were gonna say spoiler the titanic sink (laughs) spoiler oh no you ruined it for me (laughs) iceberg ahead (laughs) yeah it's right there it's right there in the title what about you clive have you got any sort of strong thoughts before we get into any specific films have you got any sort of strong thoughts about you you know how one defines a a love story stroke romantic film? Yeah, I mean, I sort of, in my mind, I, I break them down into sort of almost two categories. And that's uh, what I think of as as romance films and then what I think of as romantic comedies. And to, you know, boil it down even further, essentially, you know, both are love stories but romantic comedies end happily and tend to have more comedy and lighter moments and romances tend to end uh, on a, on a down note, whether that's in tragedy or sacrifice or, uh, or, or death in some way. Mm. So, uh, you know, the, the, for me, the pure romances is, is, is when this is when love sort of comes up against, you know, war or death or you know outside yeah, outside forces i mean you mentioned you touched on brokeback mountain but that would be you know that that's kind of it comes up against sort of society's intolerance and you know how that's sort of been breading to people and and that's kind of almost the rock in which they uh, that breaks their relationship you know because essentially one of one of the uh, the two lovers cannot cannot accept himself as a gay man and you know so so there's always this this uh thing exterior to the two lovers which 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 essentially uh, stops them being together now often uh, a lot of the great romances you know there is a sense that through this sacrifice, through this sort of down ending, that they will be reunited in death. They'll be reunited in the afterlife. They will, you know, their love will triumph. Mm. And that's almost the romantic thing is that, is that, uh, is that, you know, two people who love each other so much that they are willing to kind of die for each other, or they're willing to sacrifice the thing that makes them the most happy in order that, that the person they love the most in the world will will be happy, and and you know I know the films we're going to talk about uh, on this podcast you know very much fall in, uh, fall into that camp. Okay. It's not to say that romantic comedies you know can't really delve into love and what it means. It's just that they are necessarily it's a it's a lighter thing. I mean this isn't an invention of movies. This goes way back to sort of Shakespeare and even before. You know, obviously, Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy, but it's a love story. But then at the same time, you know, um, most of Shakespeare's comedies are love stories in one way or another. This is the thing. This is why it sort of transcends, I think, all the all the genres and all the mediums and and and, you know, all of the countries, if you like. It is because it is absolutely a universal 
thing that everybody can relate to in some way, you know, shape or form, I guess. I mean, I guess that's why they they endure and, um, uh, you, you know, they're quite popular. Um, but I, I like the way you sort of broke it down there, because like, um, you know, from the sort of romantic comedy side of things, I, I'd say something like Love Actually, for example, is actually a really, really great um you know romantic comedy and, and then likewise you know on the sort of pure drama the heart-wrenching drama side of things um you know I'm, I'm very much a fan of uh um david lean's version of brief encounter you know the 1945 film that he adapted from yeah, the noel yeah. coward play um and and you know that was obviously like a one that i was considering uh picking as my movie heaven for for this but uh but but didn't go with it. But I, you know, th- there are those sort of films that I think deserve, um, you know, honourable mention. And uh, you, you know, we said about the Notebook earlier as well. Um, you, you know, that's I think a, an incredibly well done love drama story as well. You know, and, and there, there are hundreds, of course. But, and you're right; it transcends cinema. It's 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 you know everything. Like you said, back to Shakespeare. You know, even back to the, uh, you, you know. <laughs> the ancient Greek plays and everything, you know, that they're, 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 they're often tragedies or comedies. So that's quite a good way of breaking it down. So for it to be like a, a proper romance film, then the, it's the relationship has to be in the forefront. That That's the sort of main thrust of the story and everything else is, is sort of background for it to be like a, a true romance, which, you know, it's a good film too. That's a good film. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah. you've named another. That's a good one. <laughs> God, it certainly is a wide spectrum of movies, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, it's a romance story that just happens to have crime in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's, 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 uh, it's an interesting one. And, uh, well, you know, we, 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 we felt um, we should, you know, have something for valentine's day we've also got uh clive you've got something to talk about at the end of this podcast which we'll come to but um we we also thought that uh you know because it's valentine's day let's let's be all sort of positive and rather than picking movie hells again which there's probably a, a huge number of um yes. we've decided this time to just go for for our um movie heaven for romantic love story films <laughs> so um well i guess i i guess our guest should go first mm. clive do you, do you want do you want to take the chair on this one okay thank you very much um okay so my pick for romantic movie heaven is casablanca oh fabulous <laughs> ah, he's looking at you kid yeah, yeah. looking at you clive <laughs> <laughs> You can't yeah, get much so, more classic than this, can you? No, I mean, you know, it's, you know, winner of the Best Picture Oscar, you know, 19, 1942 uh, movie from Warner Brothers starring, you know, I mean, it's, the, the cast is amazing. But, you know, uh, the, our, our, our two main leads are Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. But then you've also got Paul Henry, Claude Rains, Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Laurie, Conrad Veidt. You know, it just... It's just, uh, you know, like a perfect sort of uh, product of the studio system. And, uh, yeah, this is not only my favourite romantic movie, this is my favourite movie, period. 
Oh, so this is your movie heaven, heaven of all time, yeah? Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, and, you know, I mean, you know, I have I, I love horror movies. I've, I've, you know, you've been kind enough to have me on your, on your podcast to talk about horror movies before, to talk about sci-fi, talk about, you know, other genre, uh, you know, I love genre movies, but my favourite movie is Casablanca. And I think, I mean, part of that is because that it's more than just a romantic movie. If it was just a romantic movie, it would be a great romantic movie. But it's it's almost like a sort of nested Russian doll of different different movie genres, and and, and they all fit together perfectly and complement each other. You know, Casablanca is is a war film. It's set uh, it's set. I mean, it was filmed during World War Two. Um, you know, before America had entered the war. And it's very much a film that's that's got a kind of political subtext, which is not all that subtle <laughs> running through it about about how isolationism isn't a great policy and how you need to get involved and, and, and take a stance. So you can just read the whole movie as being a political allegory about for how America needs to basically get involved and and do the right thing. And, you know. So, so there's there's that element, you know. That, that there's a lot of kind of spying and intrigue type stuff that goes around involving the uh, involving the sort of uh, the, the the free French uh, and the resistance uh, to uh, Nazi occupation, um, and you know, there's 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 kind of a, like a buddy comedy thing going on between uh, uh, Claude uh, Claude Rains. Uh, who, who plays uh, uh, the prefects of police and uh, and Humphrey Bogart as obviously is Rick. Lord Rains is hilarious in this, isn't he? I, I, I rewatched it. Um, obviously, it's a great movie that I've seen a number of times, but I, I did rewatch it for this um, for this podcast. And uh, yes, I, I chuckled along. Um, <laughs> I, you, you know, he is he is wonderful in this. <laughs> He is, he is. I mean, I guess I should briefly explain what the plot is for anyone who doesn't know. And I think it, I think Casablanca is, is like one of those movies where a lot, it's so much in the culture that people almost feel like they know it before they've seen it or that they don't have to see it because, oh, you know, it's just, you know, it's that play it again, Sam movie. It's, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the, it's the corn, even though, even though he never actually says that in the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's that it's it's just these sort of little moments and and it's this kind of type you know sort of old timey movie you know yeah, I mean what's really interesting is it is set literally before the US's involvement in in World War Two isn't it like is it is it because I believe it's set in like December <laughs> and uh, you, you know just um you, you know, obviously it was made before that of course but when it's set is literally you know, as it turns out historically, just before they um, got involved, isn't it? So it's it's quite interesting that that sort of how that sort of sits sits with history within the fiction, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it is that they do like a really nice job. I mean, it is it is a very it's it's actually a very clever screenplay, a very taut screenplay, which is weird in one respect because they were still writing it while they were filming it and they didn't know how it was going to end when they were filming it. 
it's like you read the stories of how this movie was made and and it's like a miracle that it Mm. came out how it is and in some ways that adds to the film because neve because ingrid bergman didn't know whether she was going to end up with rick's character at the end or paul henry's character paul henry basically it's it's we have a central love triangle essentially in casablanca so it's set in in morocco in this sort of neutral sort of city which is like the 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 last port of embarkation when you're trying to get away from Nazi occupied Europe. Uh, it's part of this sort of refuge refugee trail, but you need these papers to be able to get out of there. And then you have, uh, Victor Laszlo played by Paul Henry, who is this resistance leader that, uh, you know, everyone seems to have heard of who escaped from a concentration camp. Um, and, and, and he's there with his wife, uh, uh Ilsa, Ingrid Bergman, but Ilsa and Rick have a past together. And uh, yeah, that's where all, all our tension comes from. You're absolutely right to pick this as sort of that love story because, the, you, you know, that whole love triangle um, and the sort of pop in chemistry between those those three actors and those characters really does work fantastically in this, doesn't it? I mean, it it, it, it is, a, you know, an absolute masterpiece as far as that goes you know it does and i think a lesser movie would really stack the deck and have you know rick's character be the noble guy and have uh, have victor laszlo be basically a bit of a bit of a bastard you know uh, but actually victor laszlo is is this is this incredible like noble guy but and 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 Rick is 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 this is like a bitter, broken alcoholic. <laughs> but at the same time, you you still want him to win. You still like him. And then and as we sort of get to know him more, we 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 uh, you know we we get to understand his backstory. We see how there's a extended flashback sequence in Paris just before the America before uh, before the Germans, excuse me, uh, invade. Um, and you see, you see his time with Ilsa and how she left him, and how that's embittered him. Um, and then, yeah, at the same time, you see that uh, Victor really does love Ilsa, and in fact, is willing to sort of, you know, he's he's uh, willing to make the sacrifice of, of you know, of letting Ilsa escape to America with Rick, even though he knows he won't be with her then, you know, so it, it's, it's quite, although, although on the surface, you know, it's this sort of Hollywood product and and there's, there's lots of sort of sheen and kind of beautiful Hollywood system stuff going on, but it, you know, it, it really does feel like it's got a real beating heart underneath, you know, and that's, and that's what carried you through that. And the fact that the script is just so whip smart and it's just full of lot zinger after zinger after zinger, you know, it, it, I mean, there's a reason why people teach this, this film in film schools, why people keep going back to this film. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been the AFI number two film for, for decades. Um, only, uh, Citizen Kane, or more recently, I think Vertigo um, have been above it, and then obviously something like Wizard of Oz is is right around it as well. But I think it's been 
sort of the AFI number two film for longer than than any of the others have been in that um, you know that uh, that chart as it were and and you know you don't get in that chart for for no reason right yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny that Vertigo is like been voted higher because that's kind of like a weird romance film isn't it it's about a, a guy who falls in love with a woman who thinks she's being haunted and then loses her and then finds somebody who looks similar to her and creates her creates her into that image just to lose her again yeah so even that has love <laughs> <laughs> well I, I, I yeah obsessive love but i guess it's the kind of love yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, there are all types of love. Yeah. <laughs> the, th- the, th- the thing with um, the thing with Casablanca as well, though, is it is almost like that sort of um, perfect storm, um, sort of lightning in a bottle type film in so much as there have been several attempts over the decades, you, you know, um, since where they- they've attempted to remake this movie and it just, you know hasn't worked on any level whatsoever and i think you know it's because it's back to that old thing you know the the chemistry between the leads in this that the the script even though like you said it was written on the fly very much but you, you, you know it was all the coming together of those things along with the actual time that this was made and everything almost seemed like that sort of perfect ingredients and and to to make a a standout film like this but um it sounds like a happy accident i mean we've we've all experienced that on on films where you know we're, we're making films and something comes along where you didn't plan it but it's there and you can never recreate it because you know because <laughs> it's yeah. it's like a gift from the film gods so mm. yeah there's there are some films where as you say um you you hear about the making of and you're like wow how how did this become anything good but it it just seems to be that perfect mix that perfect storm i mean a, a, another film that springs to mind which isn't a romance film but has a similar maybe even worse history was the blues brothers that original film they literally had it greenlit and they were in production within weeks and there was the script by Dan Aykroyd was you know it was literally a, a roadmap about how each member of the band was recruited and so it was a case of like John Landers coming along and you know putting that into shape mm. but no, you it, know it but does, from it does happen yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it, it's amazing to think that you know that a, a film where as you say they're rewriting it as they're going you know was able to have you know such a a lasting effect yeah well apparently and i didn't know this until recently but um again because it's so synonymous with the film um as time goes by which was obviously written originally about a decade before this film Mm -hmm. um wasn't intended to actually be the song that was going to be in the film it was it was one apparently that they were using for the for the filming of it Ah, Um, and it was going to be replaced uh, by a song written by the composer later but they weren't sure that they could get um, uh, everybody back you you know because uh, Ingrid Berman was was on loan from another studio yeah she was under contract to David O. Selznick 
that's right so they, they weren't yeah. sure they could get her back and it ended up that they they just stuck with that song but you know again who can imagine casablanca without you, you know as time goes by you, you just you just can't can you it's it, it it just seems the right song for it and uh you know, I find that quite um, quite bizarre that that, that was not yeah. originally the the intention, and it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I, again like another film, not a romance film, but two thousand one had a, a similar story where the the music in that film was originally temp, that there was going to yes. be a soundtrack written for it, but because the the temp tracks fitted the images so well that you know you think about it you, you can't imagine that film without that soundtrack apart from the composer who, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i tell you what i tell you what you really are doing a great job simon of crack getting all the genres in on this one i'm well impressed <laughs> but um but clive i mean so you know from your point of view then uh, i mean obviously there's there's no doubting um you know that Casablanca is an absolute classic and and you know has its place in movie history etc but what is it you know you know you've said that it, this is literally your favorite film of, of all time apart from your you know favorite love story um what what was your experience of this then i mean when did you first see it and what did it mean to you and 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 you know what's your sort of story with Casablanca yeah i mean it is it is because it was one of those films that was quote unquote a classic and it was, you know, as a, as someone who was, you know, wanting to be a filmmaker and was, you know, absolutely obsessed with movies, you know, I, I had, you know, I had literal lists of, of movies that I wanted to see and I would work, well, I would work my way through those. List through those. Yeah, I know I do. I do like a list. It's true. Guilty as charged. So th this was just one of those movies, you know. And to be honest, I think I avoided it for some time because it seemed from the outside, it seemed like it would be a bit corny. It seemed like it would be just this incredibly dated, but you know, charming uh, product of of studio filmmaking. You know, that it was made during the war. You know, so. And, you know, so I think perhaps I was thinking it, it would it would be dated in, say, the way that uh, I mean, and I, I love them, but they are incredibly dated. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies that uh, Basil Rathbone made of Nigel Bruce during the war, where at the end of the movie, he go, you know, Watson, there's some there's a new spirit uh, of, of freedom going on. And, and, he, and, he would, and he'd go into this massive uh, uh, sort of monologue about uh, about how about how about just about how you know it basically you should have said buy war bonds at the end it was it was it's like that blatant um, um elementary my dear propaganda yeah you know, it, it's it totally was and, and and they they make me grin those those ones now things like sherlock holmes and the secret weapon yeah. sherlock holmes goes to washington it's i mean they are not the best sherlock holmes movies <laughs> but anyway there you go yeah so so much so that our um sherlock holmes expert picked that as his movie hell indeed check, check uh, that it, out folks it, indeed then that is a very good episode uh, but <laughs> yeah anyway back to casablanca um yeah so uh, so i went in thinking oh yeah you know i'll watch this and i'm sure it'll be fine and it absolutely and and because i 
and it absolutely just blew me away and I just did not expect it to like get me emotionally in the way it did um so much so that, that I think I sort of avoided rewatching it for a while because I thought well maybe it's just that time but each time I went back to it I found it's I found it's one of those movies that really rewards rewatching that no matter what mood you're in it it sort of it, it feels right you know that it's if you're feeling if you're feeling down it's actually quite uplifting if you're feeling happy then you'll you'll get that out of it if you're you know and as i said sort of introducing the film because it has all these sort of almost mini genre elements in it if i'm in the mood for you know something with a bit of action or a bit of thriller intrigue actually casablanca has those things as well as a great love story so yeah i mean I, I I now I sort of ration my viewing of it because you know otherwise I wouldn't get, otherwise I won't see as like all the other films I want to see, but it is something that I do rewatch regularly at least uh, at least once a year you know often more. But um, when, when did you first see it then, Clive? We was it you know were you really young when you first saw this? Uh, I, I I first saw it when I was in my twenties. I think uh, I, I think I probably saw it just after. Uh, just after sort of university time, you know, so. Yeah. yeah I think it, I saw it on the 50th anniversary release. Cause it, uh, you, you know, I, I seem to remember as a kid, uh, you know, it being on television on like a Saturday afternoon or something. And, um, you, you, you know, at the time I was a you know kid obsessed with bloody, um, flash Gordon and butt Rogers and whatever. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't really pay a lot of, a uh, lot of attention, but, um, Years later, when you know I was in my twenties or, or so, I, I think it may have been the fiftieth anniversary re-release or something, and uh, they actually had it, you know, on the big screen and uh, got to see it, you know, you know how it was supposed to be seen, and um, you, you know that that's that's when I sort of got an appreciation for it. Before then, it was this sort of classic that I knew was important, but hadn't really sort of sat down and taken the time to sort of take it in properly really but, um, what about you Simon I saw it one Christmas <laughs> oh great okay. it's a good film for a Christmas one yeah. it is it's, it's, it's shown every year on Channel 4 it's, uh, mm. it's, it's one of those films that they, they always show which uh, is usually either uh, Wiz- they always show Wizard of Oz and they used to show Gone with the Wind but that's now on Channel 5 so Channel 5 was showing it over Christmas last year but uh, yeah, I sort of um, got to watch it one Christmas. And I really enjoyed it. You know, just seeing it on the the small screen, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I have to ask you guys then about this, and this is just this is a bit controversial, but it's just a to bring up a topic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know we're all guys here, so we haven't got like a woman's p- perspective on this as such. But do you think that her character is selfish? What, uh, what, why do you, what makes you say that? Well, I'm, the reason, the reason I'm asking that is, is she, I don't know. She, she, you know, she, she's not completely honest right from the start. I mean, okay, she does fess up, but she's not completely honest. And, you know, obviously she ends up all right, as it were. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it was just, it was just an intro. I thought, Hmm, what can I ask about this? That might, that might spark up some, 
some interesting conversations and I really wanted um we were going to have a female guest as well on the show but uh, sadly she couldn't make it and um uh I, I just thought it would be interesting to hear from a from a woman's point of view and a guy's point of view as to whether or not um because because you know it can be argued that 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 she was but I don't know is is that fair or not what do you guys think I don't think it's fair but um hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, my reading of it is uh, that, you know, Victor Laszlo was a resistance leader in hiding in fear for his life and that she was protecting his secret. So she she was and, you know, he, he even though they were married, she wasn't allowed to change her name because, uh, you know, that's one part of it. So. I mean, she says to Rick later, it was it wasn't my secret, but I, you know, I had to keep it. And and then she was and then she was told he, he died. So I don't think that there was any deliberate deceit on her behalf at all. all right. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it's it pains me to do this because I love the movie. But if I'm if I'm going to be a little bit critical of it and, and uh, then I think there are sort of two things you could sort of look at. And, and this is purely, I think, it being a product of its time. But, you know, we're watching it now, so you can't divorce these things. One is the is is the idea of whether or not Elsa, Elsa's character has agency. You know, that she sort of, she leaves it up to Rick to decide her life, essentially. I mean, so you could say that she, she has agency and she basically gifts it to him. But then... That's not a very 21st century way of resolving things is to sort of basically say, I don't know, uh, you know, I love you. I don't know what to do. You make the decision that that makes that makes her. Yeah, but we are talking about a film that's over 70 years old. Well, we are, but but perhaps from a sort of strict feminist perspective, that makes that makes it a little bit of a tricky prospect. But Mm. I think, you know everyone understands still the the kind of emotional core of 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 why you would say that of you know how you could get in a place where that seemed like the only decision so i think that's you know that's what it is the other thing is maybe the 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 film's attitude to race um where I mean, the character of Sam, uh, played by Dooley Wilson, obviously is very key character in it. You know, uh, Rick's like essentially best friend. But then there are some some of the way that Sam is referred to in the movie, and uh, it, it, you know, it's it's it feels a little difficult uh, you know from a from a from a uh, from today's perspective you yeah, know no definitely and and there's there's also a massive classist thing going on as well but again we're, we're talking yeah. about a different time and uh you know a time of war as well so you, you know it, it's uh but but the thing is i just felt so you know bad for for rick in this which i guess is the point but you know i really did I mean, but i don't yeah, know I mean, maybe this says more about me and and, and, and how my <laughs> relationships have failed yeah. than it does about the film well i, don't know. I mean well, well, i mean everyone who watches a movie brings their own sort of 
it brings their own history to it, right? So it, it's completely understandable. But Rick is the viewpoint character. We see everything. Although initially, it's funny. Uh, initially, it starts off as a kind of almost like a like an ensemble view of like this is the world of of Casablanca, and we get introduced, and we get all these little vignettes, and then we get introduced to the club, and then we meet Rick, and then after and then we slowly sort of go get into his world and then he fully becomes our viewpoint character so it's interesting i think in terms of how how the, the script plays out that way but yeah but yeah it's it's understandable that, that you would sympathize with him because you know he, he's he's been hurt you know he's been wronged or he thinks he's been wronged and He's played by Humphrey Bogart, who is one of the most charismatic movie stars uh, ever. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. What about you, Simon? Any strong thoughts on it? Um, I don't know if she was being selfish. Um, I think she was just, she was torn. Because, as you say, she she was married to this resistance leader. And she found out, she was told he was dead. So, you know... She's in grief and Rick comes along and, you know, cheers up her world, you know, makes her feel happy again. And then, of course, she finds out that her husband's alive. And, of course, she wants to be with her husband because she loves him. Which otherwise, she wouldn't marry him. And so she is torn between these two lovers. And to a point where, you know, she can't decide, you know, it's a choice of, you know, of of duty or following your heart and Rick sees that she is having this dilemma and makes the decision for her yeah I mean it play it plays on the fact that it is possible to love more than one person at this at the same time yeah and uh, you know it's 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 society that uh that 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 tells us differently isn't it but Mm. um yeah yeah no, it's it, it's interesting. I, I, as I said, I'm just trying to make some uh, some conversation about bit, it. Yes. I'm stirring it up. Here's me. <laughs> yeah. I've got my little I got my little Valentine's pot that I'm stirring. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that that sounded wrong. Anyway. <laughs> uh, you've been watching the Love Witch again, haven't you? There you go. Yeah. Oh, hey. Then oh. there's a film. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Not not a romance. No, not a, not a right man. <laughs> hey, we've got to have fun on these things, right? Yes, no, but indeed. I mean, no, there, there is no. Thank you for choosing Casablanca, Clive, because because it is a um, it is a wonderful movie, and it had been a long time since I'd uh, since I'd watched it, and um, it, it, I very much enjoyed rewatching it for this. Yes. And I think it's good that we get to talk about. You know, we often talk about a lot of films that are in our sort of generation. Um, on the podcast and of course this is this is going back into the golden age of uh, cinema and it's an absolute classic and it's and it's good to touch on those classics as well so um so yeah good good pick good yes. pick <laughs> so is there any any last things you want to say about it clive it's it's funny we, we've talked a lot about casablanca and we've not mentioned the ending i mean this is 
uh, th- 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 this is a this is a spoiler podcast, isn't it? It should yes. be said. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, yes. regular listeners, regular <laughs> listeners know this anyway. Uh, and this is a movie from 1942, which is very much in in the sort of culture. So, yeah. exactly. if you haven't but, seen it, shame on you. Yes. <laughs> yes, but I mean, the 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 end of this film is 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 so much the uh, zeitgeist that people know it anyway if they've never seen oh, the yeah. film. Definitely. Yeah, I, I I think it's the ending, and and how beautifully it wraps everything up. It is the thing that sort of puts it over the top for me. You know that there are there are there are great scenes in there. I love the Marseille scene. Um, I, I I I love the scene where 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 they first where where Rick and Ilsa kind of uh, sort of confront each other. And he's drunk, and I mean, it's there's all these just beautifully written scenes, but then, but the ending, because uh, uh, up until the ending, you're really not sure how it's going to go. It does look like Rick has decided him and Ilsa are going to take these letters to transit, which are the big MacGuffin that's sort of driving the plot, and they're going to take them and leave and go to Lisbon and go to the states. Uh, and Victor Laszlo is going uh, is going to end up in a concentration camp, but at the very uh, uh, and uh, you know and and that's what and that's what he's sort of that's what he's told Louis uh, the Claude Rains character, but then you know he gets gets him to go to the uh, airport with him, and at the last minute you know sort of switches things around, and in fact sort of explains that it's going to be. Victor Laszlo and Elsa are going to be going on the plane together, uh, and you know, he, and he's gonna, and he's just basically sorts everything out, and he makes he sacrifices his future with Elsa for the war effort, essentially, so that you know resistance can go on, and he basically sort of says, okay, I, you know, I'm now going to sort of rejoin the fight. So it, it, it turns into this up ending, but at the same time, you know, the sort of the villain of the piece, as it were. Which is the major Strasser, uh, this sort of German, uh, Nazi German, uh, who's kind of who's, who's there, uh, like comes in and then you know Rick kills him, and then you know you get the, you get there's so many sort of beautiful moments here. You get this sort of you know his his whole speech about you know uh, you know. I'm no good at being noble, but you know, uh, he talks about, oh man, I, 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 I should better recite this. I've heard it so often, <laughs> but you know, like, you know, nothing like, you know, we're married to a hill of beans and it's just, I, I, I'm not, I, I mean, I mean it's, it's great when Humphrey Bogart says it um, and probably not yeah. so great when I paraphrase it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bad way. Well, but, uh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon. And for the rest of your life, Yes, there we go. We'll always have Paris. Yeah, actually, to be fair, <laughs> he doesn't really give her a, ch- you know, back to my sort of question, mm-hmm. he doesn't really give her a choice, does he? So, um, you, you know, that, that to be fair to her, he, he kind of he kind of orchestrates that whole situation anyway, doesn't he? So um, He does, but she did tell him to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and... She could, she could, uh, she could sort of say something, couldn't she? But, but he because he explains why he's doing it, and you know, almost convinces, you know, it basically tries to convince her that this is the right thing. That going away with him would just end badly, 
and that she's going to be happier with Victor. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and it's that whole thing of he's telling her like a tale to basically, so she'll go off happy. One, he doesn't really believe himself and you know, he doesn't believe. And it's just, it's, there's all these layers to it. It's so beautifully done. And, and it's heart wrenching, isn't it? Did, did you guys find it heart wrenching? Um, yeah. That, that scene, yeah. I mean, yeah. it really is, isn't it? It's, it's like, wow. You know. <laughs> yeah, because you want them to get back together, and of course, he does the noble thing. He he lets her go. Yeah, he does. You know, as a as a movie maker and a and a geek, I love the fact that while he's telling her this story in the background, you've got you've got in a lovely bit of movie movie magic, you've got this you've got the the plane to Lisbon in the background, which is basically a cutout that they've built on the set. And in, or, in, or, in order to get the scale right, the, the, the quote-unquote ground crew are midgets. Yes, small uh, people. Uh, uh, small yeah. people, yes. Yeah, uh, who, uh, who, are, who are kind of working on it. And it's like... Yeah, it's a false you know, perspective. It's, it's, it's just all those sort of lovely tricks that they do, you know, uh, and, 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 and that's great. And then at the end, you get that final capper of the sort of, you know round up the usual suspects and you see that Louis has also come over to the fight. And then, you know, uh, I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Yes. Yeah. You know, final, final. Uh, so, so it's almost like it ends on a new romance of a, of a, <laughs> of a, of a, a, a romance. Yeah. Well, you, you so, know that line though, I mean, obviously round up the usual suspects and all that was, was there on screen and stuff, but that, uh, this could be the start of a beautiful friendship line was actually, that that was looped afterwards. Um, that was never actually because again, this whole thing about writing the script on the fly, they didn't have the the final line. They 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 didn't know how they were going to end it. And like you said, that whole bit was done in a on a studio. It wasn't even outside, which is why you know they couldn't go on location. But it looked great. It looked just like they were in a airfield and whatever. But it was actually a studio with the. Uh, with, with like you said, the cardboard cut out of the plane and the small people and the and the ground um, sprayed down to look wet and all that sort of thing. But no, apparently they had the sort of overhead shot of them walking off. But um, uh, Humphrey Bogart had to uh, go and and they, they they came up with that line afterwards, and that was recorded in a studio afterwards and and, and put onto the film. So I mean, you know, again, a, such a classic line. But it, it's funny to think that it was such a late addition. You know, that 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 is amazing because because like you said, it's totally in the culture now um, and is quoted so many times that um, that, you know, it's quite amazing yeah. when you look at the sort of history behind that. It's it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it seems to be great lines are, you know, they, they're either written last minute or ad-libs I mean I think of a couple of examples we're going to need a bigger boat was a, an ad-lib on, on the set and of course uh, which cheers. is obviously a love story <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not about a shark <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other example I was going to give was uh, Tears in Rain which is one of the best ad-libs ever yes yes there was <laughs> There was a whole speech, but uh, Rugta Hauer sort of distilled it into that, those uh, few lines, and uh, it's a, a great speech. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing how sometimes uh, dialogue, a line that sticks with you forever, kind of, you know, was such a late addition, 
to the to the filming process. I was never even thought of at, at all until the, the day of shooting. Happy accidents. Have any yeah. of you watched the um <laughs> the 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 in inverted commas remakes? No. <laughs> no, I haven't either. <laughs> no, they've been numerous attempts, haven't they? Whether they in name or not. I mean, mm. I, I haven't. Has anyone seen Havana? No. No, that was the Sidney Pollock uh, director one, wasn't it, with the Robert Redford, ah. uh, where where they were basically trying to sort of do a similar thing. But uh, I mean, I think an interesting comparison to Casablanca is the English Patient. Okay. Yes, another great love story. There we go. It is, but but it's it's very much almost it takes the opposite approach to Casablanca, whereas Casablanca ends with. Uh, you know, the with with the lovers being separated because uh, Rick uh, Rick sacrifices their love for the for the sake of 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 winning winning the greater war against the evil tyranny of Nazism. Uh, in the in the English patient, uh, it's the English patient is very much about the selfishness of love, and so so you get the. Uh, <laughs> You get Ray Fiennes' character essentially uh, chooses love over everything and sacrifices uh, and, and sacrifices a whole bunch of, of like innocent people uh, because he uh, by 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 betraying them uh, in order that he can be with the woman he loves. Uh, you know he, he you know it means that Will, it means that Willem Dafoe's character ends up killed. And it and, and it still ends badly for him, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. So so that that takes a very that takes a very different sort of uh, slant on it. But uh, yeah, interesting comparison. And it is it is a, a beautifully made film. Yeah. Well, Anthony Mingala, another another one of the uh, sadly no longer with us, but one of the um, one of the directing greats of of you know this generation for sure. So. Hmm. All right. So moving on, Keith, what was your pick for oh, movie I'm, heaven? I'm going next. You're I? going okay. next. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Well, um, okay. My pick, uh, and this was an easy one for me because it just was the first film that came to mind um, because it's a film I absolutely love um, from 1980, uh, somewhere in time starring Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. Um, Directed by Gino Schwartz, who had done uh, Jaws 2, which I actually don't think is a terrible sequel, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, this is the film he did after making Jaws 2. He did go on to make Supergirl as well, which is a terrible film. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's, he, he, he's since sort of been in TV land. He's done several episodes of Smallville and uh, doing bits and pieces now. It comes from the novel Bid Time Return, uh, which was written by Richard Matheson, who we've obviously talked about before on this podcast. He did a lot of the Twilight Zone episodes. He wrote Jewel, which I've talked about on this podcast. And of course, he wrote I Am Legend, which itself has been adapted into three movies, um, you know, over the years. So, um, you, you know, uh, a, a great story. Um, I remember I saw this film on television Um you know, so it was probably some years after it was actually out. Um, 
never never got to see this on on the big screen but um this was a film that uh when i watched it at the time i watched it because i was a big fan of christopher reeve you know as superman uh which he'd done previous to this um i loved jane seymour uh you know a former bond girl um Obviously, he'd been in the Sinbad movies and Battlestar Galactica TV uh, series prior to this. And um, I, you know, I just sat down to watch it and was absolutely captivated and have watched it literally hundreds of times um, since. It has a wonderful score by uh, John Barry, who is obviously, you know, well known for uh, the James, some of the James Bond, um, films as well as, uh, Academy Award winner for Dances with Wolves, which is a wonderful score and many, many others. Um, but this is, this is a particularly good score that the, the backstory on this one is this was the first score that John Barry wrote, uh, after both his parents had died just months from one another. And, um, he said that, you know, he really put his heart into this, uh, score, you know, to sort of get to deal with the loss of his parents. And um, I think that that sort of comes out. Uh, as as we said earlier, love stories can can have all sorts of uh, cross genres. And, and this this is probably a, a key example of that in the fact that this is actually a um, it's a time travel story. So it's a sci fi story, essentially. Um, but as opposed to like, uh, you know the terminator which mi mixes time travel with with action adventure or back to the future which mi mixes time travel with comedy adventure you know this this does indeed firmly put it into ro romance and love story um the setup for it basically is is christopher reeve plays a uh, a young playwright um and the film starts off in 1972 and he it, it's just had one of his plays um, critiqued. In fact, apparently one of the critics is uh, William H. Macy in one of his first ever um, uh, acting roles. Um, and an old lady, a very elderly lady, comes up to him uh, in the crowd and hands him a pocket watch and simply says to him, come back to me and leaves. And um, he has no idea, you know, who this woman is or why she's given him this pocket watch or, um, you, you know, what's going on. And uh, we jump forward to, to the, what is then contemporary, 1980. And um, he has uh, had some success as a playwright. He, he's now um, a well-regarded uh, playwright in Chicago. And um, he, he decides to go, he, he's had a split up recently with a, with, with a, uh, with a girlfriend and he's having a bit of a case of writer's block. So he decides to, uh, to go off for a drive. And um, he ends up at the Grand Hotel, uh, which is a very, very famous hotel. Um, and, uh, you know, very historical hotel. And decides that he'll, he'll check in there and book a room and, and just sort of get away from things to try and work on his writing. And uh, while, whilst he checks in the hotel and whilst he's, whilst he's there, he decides to go eat. But, um, the, you know, the restaurant isn't quite open yet. And he um, he decides to look around and the hotel has a sort of hall of a museum, a sort of hall of history. And when he when he looks through this 
this room, he sees a photograph of a beautiful young woman that absolutely captivates him. Uh, and he can't really sort of put his finger on what it is. Um, you know, he, he can't sleep. Um, it, you know, he, he keeps going back just to look at this photograph. Um, he, he becomes absolutely obsessed with this. So uh, he does some investigation. There's, there's a lot of, you know, library work, um, <laughs> you know, long before the days of Google <laughs> and, and, and doing it at home, you know. So he, he goes and he investigates and finds out that this woman was, um, was once a, a famous actress who, who, who gave up the, um, the profession uh, after some sort of tragic event in her life. And, um, he, 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 he ends up going and finding where she lives and, and her, her old housekeeper. And, um, she lets him in because he shows the pocket watch and she's where, like, where did you get that watch? And he's like, well, you know, this, this was given to me, uh, you, you know, eight years ago. And it turns out that that was the very same night that that old lady died. Um, and, he, she's, she happens, this is where you have to take a little bit of a leap with this story. <laughs> you have to suspend your disbelief and just go with this a bit. But basically, she has a uh, book about time travel on a shelf. And it's actually written by um, what used to be one of uh, Christopher Reeve's uh, character's professors. So he goes and asks him basically if time travel is indeed possible. And this is this is where the film takes a slightly different turn to a lot of these predestination paradox time loop uh, type time travel films in so much as rather than having a, a time machine um, to, to, to travel back, this is done by essentially surrounding yourself in... Um, removing anything contemporary and dressing and surrounding yourself in an environment where if you put your mind to it, uh, you can actually, you know, will yourself back in time if you put your heart and mind into it. So, uh, through a lot of, um, a lot of false attempts and frustrations, uh, Christopher Reeve does his characters called Richard Collier, by the way, does in fact end up back in time. Um, and is in the same hotel that he was in. Um, and you know, he's obviously bought period clothing, although it turns out that that period clothing, one of the little jokes in the film is he's about 10 years out of date with his, uh, with his period clothing. And, um, he indeed then has the problem of trying to meet, uh, this actress and she has a a very um, strict manager who's played by the wonderful Christopher Plummer, who um, who basically uh, tries everything to prevent her meeting him and, uh, you know, falling in love and, and ruining her career as far as he's concerned. And um, so, you know, it does turn into this, in, into this wonderful love story uh, that has a massively tragic ending. Um, obviously, we are giving spoilers on this so um you know that they they do eventually meet uh they do eventually fall in love and um you know everything's rosy uh however um she takes the mickey out of this suit that he has and 
he's talking about the features of the suit and delves into the pocket and they do foreshadow this um right at the beginning but they do it very subtly is when he's separating his period coins from his contemporary coins he accidentally mixes a few up and we think that he's resolved this but actually it turns out that he's got a coin from 1979 in, in the waistcoat pocket and this does actually send him back to his own time because anything any any anything that that speaks of the future or, or any, anything that's visible from the future will be the thing that will break this time loop and um he does indeed get sent back to uh to the 80 to 1980 and um although tries everything he can to get back to her um he he can't recreate that situation uh as perfectly again and essentially ends up dying of a broken heart uh quite literally and the two of them are, are, are sort of reunited in the afterlife is how the film ends and there's a wonderful shot where they they hold hands and it almost forms like the shape of a heart um and of course the photograph one detail that i forgot to mention the photograph of that he falls in love with is actually a picture that is taken when she's looking at him um, after one of her stage performances so it is one of those predestination paradoxes it is a time loop but i think i mean i know i've sport it to death here but i actually think that everything about this film from the story to the performance to the direction to the music uh absolutely works it absolutely breaks my heart and uh for me yeah it was a no-brainer this is absolutely my movie heaven of love stories and of course it had to have a sci-fi twist <laughs> and now keith takes a breath yes. <laughs> <we> <laughs> well you know what i i often get criticized for not doing synopses so this time i thought well i bloody well will on this one <laughs> uh, well yes um I saw somewhere in time, uh, like yourself, Keith, on TV, and um, you know, it, it's one of those films where um, I think, as a kid, you probably, on paper, that it doesn't sound like something you enjoy, but it's just the fact that Christopher Reeves was so um, ca charismatic in that film that. It, it made you want to watch it and this whole sort of mystery about the old woman with the watch and why she turned up at this uh, turned up that night and, you know just keeps you going along and it is it is a, a it is a wonderful love story and it, it's um, it's one of these films where you think not many people have seen it but you always find out that lots of people have I know um, uh, the actor I've worked with many times uh Benjamin Green, he loves this film. He loves it to a point where he's he's tried to, you know, do a story similar to this. Well, li likewise, I have to say that this film has been the inspiration for a, a time travel love story that I wrote many years ago that I haven't been able to actually afford to, to make. Um, but I've, I've done a film, I've written a script called Reversal. Right. And, um, it, it, you know, this film so much inspired me that my lead characters are called Christopher and Jane. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, um, this was definitely it's not the same story, but it, mm. it was definitely, um, 
uh, an inspiration. So, yes. And, yeah. and, and you're right. I mean, there is a huge cult following to this film. Um, you know, whereas, whereas Casablanca is obviously a classic, um, this one is one of those more sort of cult classics. And I know the Grand Hotel in the US actually have a, um, every year, I'd love to go one year, they have a, a somewhere in time weekend, like a convention. Um, uh, you, you know, it does have that much of a cult following. So, um, yes, it is very cult and I'm sure inspires many, uh, many filmmakers. Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing that's kind of inspiring about it is the fact that um, it does the time travel story about there being a time machine. Um, that That's the, the one thing that, you know, is is usually what you spend the most money on on a time travel story is the time machine and what it is. So is it a, a contraption that stays in one place or is it a DeLorean? You know, um, it, it gets round all, all of that by it being... You know, the the using you know, putting the person into that space, into that mindset that he projects himself back there. It's not quantum leap. It's he's not Sam jumping into a, a body, but oh uh, boy! <laughs> but quantum leap kind of, I guess, took a page from this because, um, again, you know, it, it there there wasn't a time machine that you saw. You just saw that he, you know, each episode he would correct some wrong and that was able to, made him be able to jump into another body in another time. And, you know, apart from the sort of opening sequence where you see him in the, like, the blue light and the smoke machine, (laughs) (laughs) you never really got to see the time machine. No, absolutely. Mm. Uh, what, what about you, Clive? Have you seen this film? Do you like this film? Uh, I love this film. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do. It's um, This is one where I have to thank my mum for introducing me to it. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, romantic comedies and romances purely because my mum is, is a massive fan of, of, that, of that genre of films. So, you know, when I was living at home and whenever I visit home and it was time to put a film on, then my mum would basically always want to watch that sort of genre of film. And because I love movies, if it was one I hadn't seen, then I was happy. I, I was happy, you know, to sort of make her happy. Uh, and this is one of those movies. Uh, I mean, I watched a lot of really bad romantic movies, uh, it, you know, <laughs> through this way. Um but uh, but yeah, somewhere in time was was definitely one of my mum's favourites, uh, and still is, you know. Uh, so yeah, thanks, mum. But I mean, it was I think it was one I was vaguely familiar with just because of the Richard Matheson connection, because I was a fan of his as a writer, and you know, and and had seen other stuff that he'd done, which was more you know sci-fi or horror. Um, but uh, yeah, and. And the two leads are just are just great in this, aren't they? And you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of, it's 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 very sort of elegantly done. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the loves, this kind of, it's almost, it's not quite a love triangle in the same way as Casablanca, but there's sort of, there's like a triangle, isn't there? When he goes back in time, there, there is that sort of conflict with the Christopher Plummer character. And it's, it's almost like a red shoes type dynamic mm. where you have this sort of Svengali kind of manager figure who is guiding the, uh, the career of this beautifully talented, um, uh, uh, actress in this case, obviously dancer in the red shoes case, and you know wants them to be the, the best that they can be. They wants them to be like a great for the ages, but is worried that you know that they're just going to basically, ru- you know, ruin themselves in 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 their minds by just giving in to love and just becoming like an everyday person, you know, where there could be this special glowing figure, you know, uh, by, you know, eschewing normal relationships and having, you know, marriage and children and all these things, you know, so it's, it's that sort of dynamic, but obviously it takes a very, it has a very different ending to uh, to red shoes although albeit still a tragic ending but uh, yeah, actually the red I, shoes is another good good pick actually and and thought about that but yes <laughs> yeah i mean I, I feel like the red shoes is almost as much about about dancing as it is about the love story but it is a beautiful film and uh, which i'd absolutely recommend i mean the the thing that i always rem- I, I always remember about somewhere in time is that moment where he finds the coin mm. and, and, it, and it's, it's not, and, and how they do it, 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 the thing that sticks with me is what is, is the sound design in that moment where, where he, st- he starts reaching out to her and then he, and she's sort of getting further and further away. And then you hear her calling his voice, Richard, Richard. And, and it sort of turns into this horrible kind of stretched out kind of like, like discordant, like Richard. And it's mm. just, it's, it's just really chilling. It's so like horrible. Uh, you know, it always, it just gives me the shivers every time I hear it, you know, and, and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. It is. I mean, the, I, I I do like the sort of you know uh, reunited in in dry ice. Sorry, in heaven, <laughs> uh, you know, coda. But but it's yeah. I mean, it, it, it is love. It is lovely, but it's oh, it's slightly it's, cheesy. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll um, it it it, it, it is. But then I, I feel like a lot of like like truly romantic movies like aren't afraid to go to that place where it seems a little bit cheesy. It seems a little bit corny, but because they mean it because it's, it's, you know, um, cause it's sincere, then it works. And I think sometimes these movies, they sort of, they suffer because you see like clips of them, right. Where they've just taken that, that moment out of the film and you've watched the whole moment. You, you've watched the whole journey. So when you when you watch the film, it doesn't seem like that. But when you just watch the sort of clip, then it's like, oh, that's it's eye rolling, you know. It's, it's like, like oh, um, yeah. If you saw a trailer it, for this, it looks a bit, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, or you know, it just it or suddenly it, like a thing just seems like a line. I think Casablanca falls prey to that a little bit, where people sort of pull out sort of like certain lines, and it just. And it's like, oh, that seems a little bit, you know, 
cheesy or whatever. Uh, it's like like something like uh, like love story. So we're talking about love stories. Yeah, that, that, you know that whole love means never having to say you're sorry. I mean, the amount of times I've seen that sort of clip, and it just looks awful, right? But actually, when you watch the movie, it's 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 a it's a good movie, and it and that works. I think it earns that sort of moment of kind of cheesiness, if you want that moment of kind of being on the nose. Because I think that's that's kind of what it is. It's what we're talking about. It's that you know, uh, and I, you know, damn it, I'm coming back to Casablanca again. But um, <laughs> but it's 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 interesting. It's like. Often the challenge with when 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 uh, I think for writers is how do you get to, how do you get your characters to say I love you to each other, uh, which sounds sounds obvious, right? You just say I love you, but that's that's uh, that's on the nose, and you can only get away with that so. Long. And it's like for an actor, that's you know, I mean, Keith, I'm sure you could speak to this. It's very difficult to play that without wanting to put some kind of subtext under it. You know, usually, usually, like when people are given a line like "I love you," often, you know, you see actors making a choice to actually play like something completely different. They're saying "I love you," but they're actually meaning "I hate you" or "I," you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm. You know, I, I want to be with someone else, or, or, or you know, so you end up getting all these sort of weird subtexts come in. Yeah, to, where, to where, find the truth of it is is, is hard. I mean, I, I've only ever acted in one um, one romantic film, which is actually kind of a a fairly twisted thriller as well. So there was something else going on there, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you, you know, it can be quite intense and. Um, yeah, finding finding those moments, uh, you, you know, can can be can be quite difficult. You know, it's it's uh, you, you know I, what what I found interesting is one of the films we watched for this is going on to another film now. But one of the ones was um, uh, the Notebook. Um, that we're not going to talk about it, but I looked at that. But you know what I found interesting when I was researching that was even though they did end up as a couple in real life, but apparently initially. Rachel McAdams and um, Ryan Gosling didn't get along. And uh, Ryan Gosling apparently wanted Rachel McAdams replaced. I mean, obviously, this is the film where half the world fell in love with Ryan Gosling and the other half fell in love with Rachel McAdams, right? Um, but and, and, you know, they do end up a couple in real life following this film. But apparently, uh, you know, to start with, that chemistry was not there at all. And... Um, you know, hats off to uh, um, Nick Cassavetes, uh, you, you know, in terms of his direction or whatever, because the film, you absolutely believe, um, you, you know, those 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 characters are in love. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and you're right, there has to be a lot of other other subtext and nuance to, to, to make that believable. And, uh, well, I mean, as with all filmmaking, mm. but particularly that type of relationship yeah i, I mean i mean in, in, sorry in, i mean in, i was gonna say in casablanca you know the, the the famous line here's looking at you kid i mean that's him saying i love you mm. yes it, and, and that and that's why that line works you know um you know he doesn't he doesn't say i love you he says i here's looking at you kid you know, so it's kind of it's interesting i think uh but yeah i mean also also 
the the line can also be the realization of love because uh, you're you're quite right. A lot of times, I love saying the words "I love you" can be a subtext for something else. But uh, there are a few occasions where uh, you see these two, and you never know if they're going to quite get together. And then, you know, Darth Vader comes along and tries to put one of them in carbonite, and that's mm. the point when, you know. God, we went there. We went there. I had to go there. Sorry, mate. I had to do it. Well, you know, yeah. that was that was was that not? Oh no, that it was it was it was his response. His response. That was an ad lib. That's it? right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But her saying "I love you" was, you know, because she realised she was going to lose it. But also to show him that, you know, that she did have feelings for him, even though she was re- trying really, really hard not to show it. <laughs> I think it's three little words that are often said way too much when they're not necessarily meant. But yes. uh, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's funny you said three little words because um, talking about my own film that I'm still currently making, uh, Modern Love, one of the stories is called Three Little Words. Right. And uh, that, that particular uh, story is about uh, when those three little words are uttered to you and you don't respond mm-hmm. you know yeah in there yeah no i know <laughs> what you mean i, I mean we'll we'll, we'll we'll come on we'll mm. definitely come on to this because you yeah. got a whole uh, feature film around this this very subject but but yes. just just back to somewhere in time can, uh, can, one, can i one, just say one more thing just one more on. thing please because uh, we we moved on it too quickly but the the whole thing about uh, the lovers meeting up in heaven afterwards it's, it's it's something i've always noticed and you probably noticed this as well is that the lovers always look like they do when they were in love so it's always young beautiful yet if there are other people in heaven they look exactly like they were when they died <laughs> titanic <laughs> being the 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 ultimate uh vision of that why was it that rose when she turned up in heaven wasn't an old lady because she was an old lady when she died, and everybody else who are who was on the Titanic in that scene, so well, they you know they all looked the way they did at the point they died, including Jack. But yet you know Rose goes back to be you know young and beautiful. Love conquers all, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Love makes you. <laughs> it is young. It, it is a bit of a trope for sure, but um, but but I mean, what one of the things that sort of leads into this actually one one of the things that. Uh, you, you know, somewhere in time does get sort of somewhat criticised for is is the fact that um, you know in in the film he literally kind of dies of a broken heart, and that's the, the, there's kind of two differences in the novel. And um, for for my for my script, I've kind of taken the uh, more of the approach from the um, from the novel. Actually, is that the, the first thing is the setting. Um, the 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 original novel takes place in the hotel that some like it hot is takes place in um in california whereas obviously they move it to the grand hotel in michigan for the for the film Mm -hmm. but um one of the things in in the book richard knows before even attempts to go back in time that he's actually he has a brain tumor and he's likely to die okay and it's kind of him going through the experiences of the time travel and, and the hallucinations and whatever is, is kind of, um, you know, brought on by the tumor and, and, and that's essentially what, what kills him. Whereas obviously in the film, they do away with that part entirely and they make it, you know, 
about him dying of a broken heart and him literally going through time with no ambiguity about whether or not it's it's an hallucination or not. caused by the brain tumor. Or can not. can so, I say I don't? Well, I know you say he dies of a broken heart, but doesn't he just he doesn't eat? He starves himself to death. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, uh, that's 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 what I re- uh, that's what I remember from seeing the film. I, yeah, it's, he sort it's, of shuts down. Yeah, completely. yeah, it's yeah. it's not like a like a Padme thing where it's like you know she she died of a broken heart. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, after giving, but after yeah, going, <laughs> what is yeah. it, Luke, Leia, Leia. goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> 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 we must connect these films somehow. Oh, we, we do. I tell you what, I, I dread to think how many films we've actually mentioned, and God, it's been a broad spectrum as well mm. of you know all sorts of different films in this one podcast. So it just shows you how universal, you know, love and romance is. Yes. Well, it, <laughs> so, it's, it, 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 it filters through most stories, most uh, yeah. stories in film that there's usually a romance. Uh, it, it may be the romance may be up front or the romance may be in the background. You see, when we talked about Valentine's Day, I was expecting us to talk about horror, obviously. (laughs) Well, it's funny you said that. I'm looking at the IMDb page for Somewhere in Time. Do you know what day it was released on? Oh, uh, no, I don't actually. But I'm guessing you're going to say Valentine's Day, yeah? No, no, no. According to this, it was released in the UK on the 31st of October, 1980. Oh, there we go. Jesus. Now that's some counter scheduling going on there, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Indeed. See, we got a discovery link, 1031. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, um, Halloween. Mm, yes. Interesting. Well, you know, it's like I said about this red being sort of linked to both love and, and danger. And, mm. uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's interesting, I think, that the two are so close. <laughs> God, I'm cynical. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm a romantic at heart. Yes. So, so yeah. Keith, is there anything else you want to say about oh, someone? Well, time? I, I think we've pretty much uh, done it. I mean, that you know, there is a lot to talk about in this film, but um, you, you know, we, we we've got the most of it. I mean, what one one other little character I did want to mention is the character of Arthur, which is kind of the um, the. Uh, the, the, the guy at the god i can't even think of the name of the what's what's the when you go to a hotel the guy who brings your bags to the room the porter um, the porter thank you i was like i had a complete blank on what it was yeah no um you, you know who obviously is, is an old really old guy uh in in the 1980 portion but he meets him as a little boy ah, uh, when he goes back and, that's uh, right yeah you know hands him his his ball that he's playing with and stuff and again i know this has been done to death as a sort of sci-fi trope but uh but i i do think that's that's kind of a, a cool little moment you know and uh you have to remember this, this you know this this film was made sort of um you know pre back to the future and pre terminator even though there'd been obviously dozens of time travel stories before this but mm. um but, but, but you, you know, it, it's got it's got those little nods in there as well, which uh, which which I, I kind of like and, <laughs> and wanted to mention. But no, uh, I, I think we've uh, we've 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 had a good it's ha- it's had a good innings here on uh, movie heaven, movie hell. So. So what's next? Wow, it's my pick Simon, now. What is your pick for 
romantic movie heaven. Well, when when you told me about doing this podcast, I I, I must admit I had a really I, I thought long and hard about what what my pick was, and I I kind of overlooked this at first, and um, it sort of because I, I I got a copy of this for Christmas. Um, and it's it's a film that I you know I caught on TV years ago and it was it was quite a surprise and you know I, I it's one of those films I think again is a it's a cult classic not many people uh, has had seen especially at the time but uh, my my pick for movie heaven is Miracle Mile from nineteen eighty eight yes and it was a film that uh, the, the the name of it I had heard quite a few times before actually seeing it. Um, I remember it sort of appeared in quite a few film magazines, but um, I don't remember it coming out of the cinema. Uh, if it did, it was it was a fifteen, so you know I would have been too young to see it anyway. But um, in the nineties, I was doing a night security job, and I used to watch a lot of TV because you know when you're protecting a, a yard full of vehicles, there's not much to be done really, and. Um, you know, BBC Two used to have a, a great late night schedule of cult films, and uh, I got to see it there. I didn't, and the thing was, I had no idea what the story was about. And the story is boy meets girl. Um, the main character, played by Anthony Edwards, Harry, meets a girl called Julie, and uh, you know he gets her attention in this uh, museum with these beautiful tracking shots. I just love the way this opening sequence uh, uses these tracking shots going left to right all the time. And you see them, you know, he's he's doing everything to, to get her attention. And it works, you know. And they hook up and they've, you know, they've, they've gone on a couple of dates. And um, he's he promises to meet her after work and uh his uh his alarm doesn't go off there's a, a the electrics in his uh, apartment goes out or the, the hotel he's staying in and so he he misses their date and she thinks he's you know doesn't want to know and so he turns up at her diner you know three in the morning and at this point, it's when the film becomes real time. So for the next, like, 70 minutes, everything's kind of playing out in real time. And he answers a, f a phone call on a, the f a phone box outside the uh, the restaurant, the diner. And it's a, an army guy, and he, he's wanting to speak to his father because... Um, nuclear holocaust is going to happen uh you know the, the bombs are flying and harry is the only one who hears this and he tries to convince people that this is actually happening and as he convinces more people uh more the panic kind of spreads it's like this disease where everybody he gets in uh contact with gets infected and because nobody's really sure if this thing's happening or not. But 
the thing I do love about this film and why I find it a very romantic film is the fact that throughout all of this, he 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 goes he goes back for this girl he goes for the this one person he's fallen in love with i mean up to this point in his life he's not had much luck with women it seems and yet he's he's found this girl who you know they seem to be perfect could be soulmates and this uh this nuclear holocaust comes along and you know the 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 the, the first thing he thinks of doing is go back and save her he never thinks about saving himself i mean the fact is that he you know he saves other people by the fact that he talks to them about this but through the point where he's trying to find out where uh julie lives and as i said the the sort of everywhere he goes where he's trying to get back to her this, he, he kind of spreads this panic <laughs> to the point where the whole city is in chaos. And it's it's one of these stories where you think they're never going to do what they're going to do. And I think I, I think it's one of those films where not enough people have seen it. So I don't want to spoil the ending, but it, it, it goes somewhere you don't think it would go. And, and this is one of the reasons why this film took so long to get made. If if you know the history of it, uh, this script was knocking around Hollywood for a long time, for about ten years, and the reason why uh, it it didn't get made so quickly was because of the ending, and that is because the director um, Stephen Steve DeJanet did not want to. He wanted to keep that ending, you know, and and good on him for doing it because it it's that thing that makes the film. <laughs> You know. So, have yeah. you have you guys seen this film before? I have now. <laughs> I, I hadn't. I hadn't seen it. It's one of those films. You, you know, as as many films. You know, through the eighties and stuff. I didn't. You know, there were ones that that slipped by, and uh, it was one of the ones that I I hadn't actually seen. And you kindly lent me that wonderful Arrow Blu-ray mm. ed- edition of, which is which is fantastic. Um, yeah. But your advice to me, and I'm so glad you said this, was you told me to just put it in the player and not not do any research or, or read anything about it or even read the cover until I'd it, seen yeah. the film. And um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that might not have seen it, but um, it definitely works best, I think, when viewed that way, um, you know, not not knowing what what's going to happen and sort of going on the journey with with these characters and um you, you know good on steve DeJarnet, who's who's mainly since gone on to do sort of television stuff i believe but you yeah. know uh, i listened to the interview with him about this and uh yeah it did take a long time because he really dug his heels in and apparently this was even considered for a um a twilight zone episode at one point um but but you know he 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 sort of dug his heels in and said that this was the film that he that he wanted to make and um and uh yeah it's 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 a it is a very entertaining ride it is it is very much of the time though mm. it, you know if anything felt <laughs> 80s this film <laughs> felt really 80s um yes but you know it kind of deals with that 80s you, you know holds that that you know paranoia about um you, you know nuclear fallout and the end of the world and 
if it's going to come and all this sort of thing. And I think sort of framing it as the real time, uh, using that sort of real time aspect. And, and as a result, he did sort of shoot it with, as you rightly said, lots of really, really decent camera work in this, as opposed to, um, lots of coverage. And, uh, again, it's sort of fed into the, uh, the, the, the sort of, um, chaotic but amusing chaos hmm. nature of the film as, as well so um yeah yeah I, I hadn't seen it i was well and well aware of all the uh, all the people involved but um but yeah you, you know thank you 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 uh, introduced me to something new which is you know what this podcast is all about it's it's not just about revisiting um you know classics and stuff but it's about uh finding missed stuff as well and and this is one that uh that i definitely missed and um thoroughly enjoyed so yeah good pick what, what about you clive uh this is a film i have a bit of a history with ah. um so yeah so i was really happy when simon picked it um you say this is a cult movie simon and i think you're right because i was i was literally inducted into the cult of, Mir- of miracle mile oh wow okay so, so uh, when I was when I was studying film and television at Farnborough, um, after a, uh, a a student night out on the tiles, should we say, uh, the, a group of us ended up uh, uh, back at a uh, uh, one of our sort of numbers, uh, I think halls of residence, um, and the and we and we were just you know chilling and we're just going to watch something at which point uh one of uh, one of the group uh guy called simon sort of turned around and and he said okay i think now you're all ready to watch miracle mile (laughs) and and and, and, you know and he had like a gleam in his eye you know like ah now i will show you something and and he was very much like that And, and 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 he and he knew i was the sort of like probably the most like film nerdy because not everyone there I, th- I think was doing the same sort of course anyway. Mm. Um, and he said, uh, so have you heard of film miracle Mark live? Uh, and, and I, and I was like, and I hadn't, and I hadn't even, I hadn't heard anything about this movie. So I was like, so I, so I said, Oh, is it, a, is it a movie about athletics? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and he, and he said, no, no, it isn't. Uh, and and uh, and and sort of smirked, uh, and I was like, okay, well, fine. You know, I, I was at this point, I was pretty. Um, uh, I, I let's just, you know, the, the chemicals had been taken. I, I was in a good place. I was happy. You know, I was like, whatever, put your film on, that's fine. Hmm. And so I went into this film completely cold. I knew absolutely nothing about it. Wasn't sure what to expect. So I watched it on on VA, uh, uh, I watched a VHS copy of it, which was probably panned and scanned. Um, I mean, now you've got this beautiful Blu-ray where you can really see all the sort of like the cold color palette of it, and mm. it's a it's like a beautifully lensed uh, film. I mean, I think the you know cinematographer uh, uh, Theo van der Sand or Theo van der Sand, uh, he does a beautiful job. But, you know, I saw it on like this VHS. So all the colors are like bleeding and it's like, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, like really acidy kind of horrible versions of themselves. But I was absolutely kind of taken with it. I mean, initially it's sort of, 
I think the film starts. I, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it. Mm. Uh, but the film starts, and it and I'm thinking, oh, this is you know, and it's it's almost self consciously arty. It's got this sort of beautiful, like the it's got this kind of uh, beautifully arch way of starting, where Harry uh, sort of starts off in in uh, voiceover. You know, he's in love. Like, where do I where do I start? And he starts like, and it, and it, and then it, and then it starts like at the beginning of time. It seems. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, and, and and it turns out that you're actually watching a video at this sort of natural history museum in in LA, I think it is, and uh, and they talk, and it's sort of all this, you know, and and you and it becomes foreshadowing for. Mm for a location they end up in in the film. Yes, um, but also foreshadowing from the point of view that um, you, you're seeing all these extinct things. You're seeing fossils and cave, yes. you know, things that have all died out. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, and, and then it, and then this, this increasingly sort of like ridiculous way where he's trying to meet her and, and it's all very charming. And, and you've got this sort of, synth the uh, uh, Tangerine Dream oh, soundtrack yeah. which is so, great he's amazing um, yeah and, and I'm yeah. thinking my god this is so arch and so 80s and it's like almost like a sort of like it, it felt like someone had just come out of film school and they'd made a film you know <laughs> but then uh, so but you know uh, but like I say I was in a pretty open frame of mind and, and I just got so into the characters and it and when it when that phone call came I wasn't expecting it to take that turn and then as I was going through, I just got so invested in the characters and there becomes a point where the, where, where I was watching it and I was hoping that the phone call was genuine because I didn't, because that seemed to, in my sort of twisted frame of mind watching the film, I didn't want Harry to like end up, you know, being shot or take or, or go to prison him and, uh, you know, uh, you know that 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 almost seemed worse than than if if there was going to be this this horrible event. You know, it's it's it, it becomes so kind of like sort of heated up. Mm. So yeah, and and then the ending is very is very successful. I will say, you know, uh, so at the time it sort of blew me away, but then it became like. It, it became almost like one of those films where afterwards I was trying to hunt it down and it, it was so difficult to get hold of because it never really got a proper release no. for, for ages. It was, it was, it was going to be something you could have to order from the States or something. And, you know, for years, the copy I had was an ex rental copy, uh, which I think I still got him in, in the, you know, hidden away somewhere. Um, and, so I, so I had that on VHS, but then it didn't really get a proper DVD release. And then when I think the DVD release came out, it was one the director wasn't happy with. It wasn't like restored in any way. It was just pretty, pretty crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so now to see this beautiful Blu-ray where, where you really get to see it. I, I mean, in a way, I'm, I'm envious of people who get to discover this film because it is worth discovering. You know, even even if it is, as Keith says, very much of its time, the the uh, it's it's interesting to watch from a point of view of how acting styles change. I mean, you know, uh, 
it's like uh, you look at say like sort of screwball comedies from the 1930s you know and and they have and and they have that that very particular people were talking in a, in a very heightened way and in this kind of mid-atlantic accent and talking very very fast you know and it's like and you're like well no one talks like that why did they do you know but then it's like you watch and then you watch movies from the from like the sort of like 60s and early 70s where the method acting has really come through and you know and it and it's almost like that subconsciously mumbly isn't it you know this sort of this naturalism by uh, you know, to, to the to the point of like one extreme, and then you come to the eighties, and it, and and there's there's certain heightened quality I think to the acting style in in the eighties, particularly. Um, I think you see it in say you see it in, in quite a few Michael J. Fox films. I notice it, you know, where I mean, and I'm not dissing them at all, but it, it but they are of their time. You know, they have this sort of like. It's difficult. It's difficult to put my finger on it, but I watch them and I immediately know they're in the eighties. Yeah, it's, do, you, do you know what I mean? Uh, it's faster, more intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's always that sort of. They, they always seem to be in a rush to get somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, in this, yeah. it made total sense. Oh, yes, as well. yeah. But, um, but also, I mean, you, you know, this, this had that sort of whole eighties, you know, very colourful, uh, mm. you know, a very um, all the production design and everything. Um, you, you know, against that LA backdrop was, yeah. was, you know, very, very colorful clothing, um, y- y- you know, all, all very much sort of in that, in that era. And it, in, in the, the Blu-ray, um, it actually does have quite a nice, uh, you know, done now, um, an interview with Anthony Edwards in Mayor Winningham, yes. uh, where they're sort of talking about this and, and the fact that they were, you, you know, they, they, they'd actually um they'd been in a theater class and whatever together so they they had quite a shorthand before doing this film which kind of um which kind of helped as well yeah. and um, the and the beautiful thing is that uh years later uh through doing the the, the tour of this film they actually got married actually because at the time they had the the chemistry between the two of them is is, is great you can see it on the screen but at the time they were they were with other people and uh but it's it's just this one i didn't realize they were a couple i didn't realize yeah. that yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 they they got married recently ah, uh, you okay. know years later so it's uh it's, it's such a that happens yep. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> films so it yeah does, yeah but the the thing is um i i i've seen quite a few uh, sort of nuclear holocaust films and uh, programs and stuff and there's um, there was one made by the BBC uh, which was kind of similar um, I try to think what it's called it's um, it's like a spider's web oh what's the damn thing called it's not war games it's it was another British another BBC production where they 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 showed what would happen if a nuclear bomb was dropped in Bristol. Oh, the war game? No, not the war game. The other one. Threads. Threads, that's it. And in Threads, you, uh, you follow a, co- a couple. And right. throughout that whole film, you you ex- it's this weird thing. It, it It's not... 
explicit, but there's this whole thing where you hope that one of the characters will come back and they never do. And it's funny that uh, Miracle Mile is the opposite of that, where uh, the, the, the similar character, he does come back, you know, mm-hmm. and just so that he can try and save the woman he loves. I mean, it's. I think it's, if you're going to go out that way, you would want to be with the one you love. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think th- uh, Threads, I mean, Threads, which is an incredibly powerful piece of work, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 is, is, is very, it, it's very yeah. deliberately anti-romantic, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, the, the central couple are getting married because, yeah. uh, because she's become pregnant. Yes. And it, and it, and it's, you know that you know that they they have feelings for each other, but you get the sense that they wouldn't be getting married if it, if they didn't quote quote unquote have to in order to kind of like, yeah. you know that, that it, it's still of that time where they feel like they have to make yeah. that choice, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, it it's just this weird thing where it, again, as I say, it's it's not explicit, explicit but you you got the sense that the 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 guy. He's sort of he's in the center of town when the the bomb goes off, but you still kind of exp- you still hope that he's going to come back, even though, as you say, uh, the reasons for him to get together are more practical than romantic. Yeah, yeah, it it dis- it's that thing where a character disappears off screen. Mm. So there's part of you having watched a lot of films and movies is going, well, are they going to come back? Yeah. Are we going to see them again? You know. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, not 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 one one I would put in in my uh, top romantic movies. <laughs> no, Threads, God, no. Threads, no, you know. no. Oh, Threads. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I've, yeah not, <laughs> Miracle Mile. Absolutely not Threads. Yeah, yeah not Threads. No. <laughs> Definitely not Threads. Oh, I can't believe they used to show Threads to to kids at school. <laughs> This must. There's a whole generation of kids that are traumatized by that sh- uh, that TV film. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, anything else you want to add about Miracle Mile? Um, was well, a say it's it's a film. If you've not seen, it's worth going to to you know check out. I mean. Uh, the only one we haven't ruined isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i think we ruined it a little bit i mean if you're listening to this i mean uh i think we should have when i when i introduced it i should have just said no stop the podcast now go and watch it but uh, unfortunately it's too late uh you, you'll probably get a sense of what's happening but uh no it's well worth uh it's, it's well it's worth a fun watching. ride yeah. yeah no it is a, yeah. it is a fun journey movie and yeah. um you know, be, being sort of mostly real time as well is 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 kind of again, you know, it wasn't that wasn't commonly done back in the eighties like like it is nowadays. So um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it was it was quite well thought out, um, indeed. And it was you know great to see Anthony Edwards in as the lead. Yeah, yeah, know, as not goose, as not goose. <laughs> But, Not as uh, one of the uh, characters from Attack of the Nerds, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he certainly found his place after this in ER, you know. He, you know, because he, he is—he—he's—he's he, he a, a very good leading man. And just you know, 
it, it, it just took a TV show to sort of really show that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in this this film, he does a good job of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it is an interesting one, and um, yeah, well worth well worth a watch. So, but the thing yeah. that actually um, prompted us, if you like, to actually do a Valentine's Day special, um, it all came because Clive, you have a film being released today um, that people can go see, and I just wondered whether we'd like to spend a little bit of time just sort of talking about that really. Well, I thank you, Keith. I would love to talk about my film. Um, yes. Uh, so very excited that today sees the, uh, online premiere of, uh, acceptance, which is the, uh, short film that, uh, I wrote, directed and, uh, uh, co-produced along with, uh, uh, Xavier Rodriguez and, uh, Julia Radovici and uh, that's been uh, it's been making its way around festivals for the past couple of years because these things take a while but it's been it's been really nice we had a lovely reaction to it we've won we won uh, an award um, and uh, yeah but but I mean the only trouble with the festival circuit is your films are necessarily only ever going to be seen by a, a select few people so even even when sort of word of mouth is good, it, you're never going to reach the same amount of people as you will do just by putting it out there online. So uh, really excited that now more people are going to get a chance to see it. So, yeah, I mean, acceptance uh, for anyone who hasn't heard me speak of it before is uh, is a, a short film, a short drama. Um, and it's the story of uh, Vivian, played by Victoria Johnson, and Maya, played by Maria Thomas. And they, they're two actresses whose uh, closeted long-term lesbian relationship is threatened when Vivian is nominated for a major acting award. Uh, and then jealousy, secrets and passions are exposed uh, during the madness of award season. And, yeah, it, so... It seemed appropriate to release the film because uh, we were due to release it. It seemed appropriate to release it on Valentine's Day because ultimately when you boil it down, it is a love story, I think. A uh, love story bet uh, between uh, the, the t these two lesbian characters. And I think it's an interesting love story because it's... Uh, it, it, it's not a love story about it's not a love story about how people first meet how they first make that connection it's a love story about people who've been in a relationship for a while and and how hurts and sort of slights can sort of fester if you let them and then what you can do to change that so i think from that point of view it's 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 a very you know it's a positive film to watch at uh at valentine's and also because it has certain, you know, LGBT positive themes. I think it's, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice film to have out there in, you know, in, in our sort of culture as it is at the moment. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. I mean, tell us a little bit, I mean, no, I know nobody likes being typecast Clive, but um, obviously, you, you know, you are kind of a horror guy in terms of, you know, short films that you've, previously made and also projects that you've got sort of coming up 
Um, but this is obviously quite a radical departure. Um, can, can you sort of tell us a little bit about, you know, what the genesis of this was and, and what your thoughts were on, on, on tackling something like this? Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny because, uh, if, if you'd come to me and said, uh, after, after my last short, after my previous short film, so Clive, uh, would like you to make a, a short film about, uh, about uh, two lesbian actresses. I would have said, well, maybe I'm not the right person to write that. And yet that's precisely what I ended up doing. So it, it was, it was kind of, it came as a surprise to me in one way, but, um, yeah, I mean, basically the sort of genesis of this was that after I made uh, a film called a uh, short film called Out of Hours, uh, which is also available uh, online. Um, yeah, which which I, I, I co-wrote with Stuart Wright uh, and and directed. And uh, yeah, I mean, that that one. Uh, I, I, I'd, it, it was the gestation of that film was very short in that we in that we were we were trying to get it out in time in order to help race uh, you know raise kind of uh, awareness for a, a feature project we were trying to get going myself and Stuart so in some ways the sort of post production was a little bit rushed although I'm very happy with the end result of the film but what but but it did, it did sort of that then sort of factored into how I thought about the next project and what I what I knew I wanted to do was to work uh, again with the lead actress uh, uh, Maria Thomas uh, from Out of Hours. So, and I I know I'd, I'd been hearing a lot. I mean, I'm a fan of of Mike Lee, and I've been sort of reading up and hearing about his sort of method for sort of developing films, which is very unique. Where uh, he he'll basically workshop characters with with the actors he'll kind of precast the film with actors and they'll kind of workshop characters and then and then basically uh him and the sort of uh you know screenwriter will go away and write up the script and then they'll come back so it's a kind of very organic way of of working and and you get very kind of deep sort of character work from it i think so yeah, which and that always fascinated me, and uh, but it it also seemed like a little bit of a luxury from a from someone who's an independent filmmaker who doesn't have you know lots of other people putting money into this. But it is that thing of if you were willing to put in the time, you can do these things. So uh, I, I I remember I had a conversation with with Maria, and and she was bemoaning that you know that as a as a an actress of mixed race heritage that she was only she tended to get cast in sort of certain roles or would never be thought for for other roles and you know and i i thought you know and, and i'm a fan so that annoyed me I, I thought that was an injustice and also so so i, I flat out asked her i said well what kind of thing would you like to do and she said, and, 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 and it stuck in my mind because it made me laugh, but she said, I'd really like to play a bitch. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, what I ended up writing was not a bitch character, but it was, it was something which was very different from things I'd seen her in, 
where she tended to where she'd been um i'd seen her in films like counterfeit butterfly with yourself keith where she's playing like a very very uh, like a what's the word like more of a submissive character more of a uh someone uh, who needs rescuing yes yeah like uh, she, she she seemed to have played a lot of kind of victim type characters um and that was that was very much the opposite of my experience of maria in real life and so i could see how you know it seemed like like there was yeah so 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 uh, i i was determined that i was going to write this kind of strong character who could maybe be a bit bitchy but was going to have something you know some real kind of uh, bite to her so as i started developing this story and also i was in mind that i wanted to write something which i could shoot quickly and would be uh, it, and, and it and it was going to be just about the performances uh, i wanted it to be very much an actor's piece that i could kind of uh, work with the actors on um so it was, you know, I, I, I wrote this thing to be essentially a two-hander. And, and, and it's funny, as I, was, as I was developing it, you know, initially it was, it, it was, you know, it was about these two actress characters and it was about this, it came up, it sort of, it sort of sprung out of me watching, I think, a, a BAFTA uh, awards thing and feeling how... Uh, you know, sorry, Keith. I know you're a BAFTA member, but but how how I was feeling very much the falsity of the kind of like awards speeches. You know that it felt rehearsed. It felt like you know like pre-written, and I'm sure a lot of these things are because obviously they've got to you know yeah. I mean, they, they, you know that they you know it's completely understandable. You've got to thank the right people and so on, but it just felt you know I, I, I felt like there was like that you could that there was something to be written about you know just just how that sort of thing came to pass so it so i started writing this story about an actress who was nominated for an award and initially it was her her flatmate was like discovered her uh, basically you know doing her doing her acceptance speech in the mirror and confronted her about it and then sort of and then it became it, it, so it was this comment on the award season but then as i was writing it the characters started you know and, and, and as a writer this is what you want to happen right you want the characters to come alive and start you know going in ways you didn't necessarily expect but it's funny i was writing it but, and then the moment i thought well actually what if they were lovers then it absolutely clicks and it was like, you know, it was like my, you know, like it was writing itself. I was like, Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's what this is, wants to be about, you know? Um, yeah. And then, uh, I, I'd, I already had, uh, in mind cause I'd, I'd seen her in a number of short films, uh, and was a fan Victoria Johnston to play, uh, play the other role. And also because the central uh, couple were had been in a long-term relationship, I thought if the actors uh, in this case knew each other and had a pre-existing relationship, they would bring that into the performance, and therefore it, their relationship would be would be that much more believable. And I, I think you see that in the film. 
and it and it was it was really nice actually. So uh, and then the process became. Uh, I, I, I had a sort of I had a draft which was quite an early draft so it was pretty raw but the essentials were there and, uh, and and luckily you know both my first choices said yes they wanted to do the film and and they ha- and they were willing to sort of put in of their time in order to help me kind of workshop the script so basically we had a lot of rehearse a lot of like rehearsals readings of the of, of different versions of the scripts they told me in no uncertain terms when like no actress would say that thing which was very helpful uh so you know then i would make then i would sort of go away and sort of and make changes to the script and we would go over it again so by the time we actually got to shoot the thing it was very you know, it, it, it was it was uh, it was pretty tight in terms of like the relationship dynamics. So I was very happy with it. Um, of course, my initial intention was this was going to be two people in a room and therefore, you know, quite easy to shoot. But then when I was writing it, then there became this whole other side, which is uh, set during an award ceremony, which is not maybe a cheap thing to sort of put together. <laughs> so. So yeah, I, I maybe I should sort of pass this to Simon because Simon is actually the director of photography on uh, on acceptance. <laughs> yes, I was. Such a small world. Yes, uh, such a small world. Yes. Well, having worked with you, Clive, on Out of Hours, the DOP, and then you asked me to come back uh, to do this, and uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, and we got to shoot at the uh, the Phoenix Cinema in uh, East Finchley. And uh, try and uh, make it look like the cinema was full. <laughs> yes, right. Of, yes, yeah, lots of little tricks, smoke, smoke and mirrors, yes. and uh, and even some uh, CG. Yes, as well. So yep. yeah, yeah. It was uh, no, it was a, it was a lot of fun to shoot, and it was um, yeah. No, it, it's probably one of the the, the better looking of of the films I've lensed. Uh, it was it was nice to sort of have those big lights and stuff, and uh, the location really helped. Oh, and also the the lenses we rented as well really helped with the uh, the look of the film. Uh, but yeah, no, it was yeah. And and this was very definitely a film where I I had a certain kind of vision in terms of like the two locations would have very different color palettes and very different looks. And you were really able to deliver on that. So, mm. you know, I think you did a fantastic job there, Simon. Thank you. Well, I did win an award for it. So that's always gratifying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I don't know what more I could say. I was, just, you know, just was very happy to help you out, Clive. You know, it was, uh, it was a very nice script and, uh, it's always a pleasure to work with Maria and Victoria, and uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great couple of days shooting. Okay, well, um, so where can people find this then, Clive? Okay, well, it's now available uh, to watch free uh, through uh, on Vimeo. Uh, the easiest way to find it may be if you're on Facebook to go to our Facebook page. If you go on Facebook and search for Acceptance Film, uh, you'll find us and then you'll find the link on the page. Or you can go to Vimeo directly 
and search for uh, search for my name, Clive Ashenden, A S H E N D E N, and you'll find acceptance and also uh, a number of previous shorts I've made, including uh, Out of Hours, which we mentioned, also starring Maria Thomas, and also uh, lensed by Mr. Simon Aitken. Yes. So there we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but no, thank you for for asking me on the podcast to talk about acceptance. Uh, uh, really happy to be finally releasing it out on on there. So yeah, oh, always happy to help. And, and I will say, folks, if you do watch the film and 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 enjoy it, then uh, do please give us a like, uh, share on the social medias, and help spread the words. And likewise, uh, please you know help uh, help spread the word for these guys by by rating them on itunes by by spreading the word you know because it, it it really does help people to, uh, to find uh, find the podcast and do stuff like that yeah <laughs> oh clive we should just hire you to do the ending of our podcast each week <laughs> uh, happy to help uh, yes likewise so uh keith where can people find your work uh, yeah, if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, that's E-Y-L-E-S, that's in my last name. Uh, there are uh, half a dozen films there that I've written, produced and directed that you can see. And to see any other work, uh, if you just put my name, Keith Isles, into IMDB, uh, you can find other bits that I've done both in front of and behind the camera. And as always, you can find my work at independentrunnings.com. And uh, I am still currently making uh, a feature film about uh, romance. Well, it's it's more sort of uh, more to do with dating and relationships and uh, how uh, the way that uh, we communicate uh, or how we get together is, is somewhat changed in the modern age, but also is, is very similar. And uh, I'm still I'm currently sort of coming to the end of this now i'll soon be finished uh if all goes well and uh we will be talking more about it in uh future podcasts um our our, our hope is to have a lot of the actors and uh creative people to come on board and, and talk about their part in it Simon, is there a Facebook page where people can uh, come? Are you on Twitter? Can people follow you? How can people find out? Uh, stay stay in touch with the latest news. Well, uh, there, I have plenty, many <laughs> Facebook pages. Uh, you can follow me on in the Independent Runnings, and there is a Modern Love um, Facebook page, and of course, uh, you can find out about modern love and all my other films on independentrunnings.com that's sort of the the main place to go and you can find other stuff through that website and uh, as always you can listen to this podcast through itunes stitcher youtube and all good podcast providers uh, you can follow us on twitter and facebook just search movie heaven movie hell and as clive suggested please leave us a rating and review it really does help so that just leaves me to uh, f- to thank Clive for coming on board. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for letting me uh, talk about acceptance. And uh, both Keith and I hope that 
you the listener have a great uh valentine's day and uh i hopefully you will join us for the next episode of movie heaven movie hell happy valentine's day happy valentine's day Still a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say, I love you. You can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Are never out of date Hearts full of Passion, jealousy, and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have its mate That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die Ah, <laughs>